If you're here for the first time, my name is Mark Ryan. I'm the senior minister here. And the word senior just means that I have lots of senior moments. It really does. Please take your seats. We're going to start a new, uh, new sermon and message series this week. And it's called The Parables, Kingdom Living for Jesus. The Inside Track of How Jesus Thinks. And these messages are kind of going to be teaching messages. So some of you might want to take a few notes or download later on and and make notes from there. Um, I I reckon that we'll praise the Lord and and we'll do some uh, high stuff. But really what I want to do is spend the next few weeks teaching the inner heart of Jesus. There are two places where you can know the inner mind of Jesus. One is in the parables, and number two is in the Sermon on the Mount, as it was called, and I'll be referring to that. But I want us to get under the skin of Jesus' thinking today so that you can understand how to live. Is that okay, church? You know, I don't know about you. Have you ever had a heart-to-heart with somebody? You know, where you, you thought you knew what they were thinking. I, I was talking to a guy the other day, and, and I just thought he was committed to our whole city. And then he, I, I invited him to a prayer meeting so we could pray to our city. And he said, oh, I don't really think of myself as Birmingham. And until he said that, I didn't realize why he wasn't coming. And, and sometimes to get under into somebody's heart and understand how they think is what we need. Some of you are looking at me as if, as if you really need to do that with some people right now, you know. You need a heart-to-heart with one or two people. Maybe some married couples here say, man, we really need to have that heart-to-heart. But you know what Jesus did? Where in, if you turn to Matthew chapter 13, in the parable of the sower, he says that in verse 11, he says, because the knowledge of the secrets of heaven have been given to you and not to anyone else. What Jesus is saying is, I'm speaking in parables because I want you to know my secrets, my inner thinking. The, the things that I believe really change things and make it so that you can live in the kingdom. The parable of the sower is about receptivity. So I want to know whether you're receptive today, whether, you're, whether you've got your antennae up, whether you've got your heart open, ready to receive something of God. Should I read a few things from the Scriptures? So, But who's with me? Who's receptive today? Is anybody ready to receive something from God? Now, in Matthew chapter 13, the, the parable of the sower says this, that a farmer scatters on a path, and birds come and steal it away, that uh, the farmer scatters and it goes into some rocky places, it grows up quickly and it withers away, and then a farmer scatters and uh, the place is full of thorns and the life is choked out of it, and then the farmer scatters on good soil. I wonder if we've got good soil in the house that produces 30, 60, 100 fold. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 13, verse 18, the explanation of what Jesus said about that parable. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. Let's listen. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. I want you to hear that this is at the heart level. 
This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on the rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once they receive it with joy. But since they have no root, and that's the issue, they last only for a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling amongst the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, choke the word, making it unfruitful. And fruitfulness is the issue. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. And this is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, and thirty times what was sown. God bless your word to our hearts today. This parable is about receptivity. It's about the maturing and receptive process of how the word makes us effective and fruitful. It's about how you receive the word into you. Clearly, the seed is the word of God. But clearly as well, it's not just the Bible dis, dis, uh, disconnected from anything. It's how you receive that word of God into your thought life, your heart life, and your psyche. I'm going to be using the other versions of this parable, so you can flick along with me. Mark 3 says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And verse 14 says, the farmer sows the word. And we've just read that when anyone hears the message about the kingdom uh, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown, in the heart. God is trying to put his word and his seed, his message, and how to live that out in your heart. He's trying to sow something deeply into you. This parable has four types of people in it. Those who are not open. I wonder if you're a not open person. Those who are too open. They're gullible. They don't count the cost. Those who are open, but they've got lots of other things on their minds. That's where we all are, mainly. That we're open, but we've got lots of competing things along with what God wants to say. It's almost like the Word of God has to race with other horses in our minds. And then, fourthly, This parable is about those who thoughtfully are open and process what they're open to. They process the word, retain it, understand it. Most of us are probably in category three. So here's my first teaching question to you today. Are you open? How open are you? And if you're open, are you going to do anything with it? Some of us are irrationally closed. I am closed to the thought of having bacon, lettuce, and tomato on the same sandwich. Who eats that anyway? I like lettuce and I like tomato together. Don't put the bacon in there, it spoils it. I like bacon and tomato. Why are you going to put lettuce with that? Now, I'll have 
I'll have a salad with hot bacon and, and, and lettuce in it, but I won't, I just can't have it on a sandwich. Some of you are looking at me. One or two of you are nodding because you're as weird as me. But another thing that I just can't have, a chicken and bacon sandwich. Who does that? Who does that? If you've got cold chicken and cold bacon together, that's horrible. Now, hot bacon and hot chicken, not in a sandwich, I'll eat that. Would you all just pray for Kathy? Because I am so strange about the way that I eat. I am irrational about my food. And so are some of you. Some of us are irrationally closed to what God is trying to do for us. You haven't got reasons, it's just you. We're being irrational. And we're being closed. And so, I'll eat a bacon and chicken sandwich this week if you promise to be open to the Word of God. How will we test that? Please, don't hold me accountable. Four conditions of receptivity and openness. First of all, the path. There are people who are hardened and not open. And I, and I want to ask you today, could, could you be open? Before we just say, oh, they're just hard people and we, we have to accept that some people, uh, you know, we're just trying to write them off and say, oh, they're just, they're just hard people. You just can't get through to that person. Have you met people like that? But actually, Luke, in his version of this parable, says this. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on. And the birds ate it up. Some people are not open, not because they're evil, not because they're even irrational. They've been trampled on. Things have happened, and, it, and it's hurt them, and, and they've closed up, and they're protecting themselves. And I want to say to you today that it's important that you understand that God understands if you've been trampled on. But also let us observe that some might think that sowing along the path was a waste of time. But God doesn't. He never writes anybody off. He, he says, you know, you may be hard, you may have been trampled on, but I'm going to sow something in you just in the hope that you receive it and that you are changed. God's not written you off. God's still going to sow with you, even if everybody else has written you off. Even if some people think you're just a dusty path, God's going to say, let me, let me cast a few seeds on there. Let's see if something will happen. I want to observe to you that God will sow anywhere. He's a generous God, and he's not written any of you off. But I want you to observe something as well. Did you notice that as soon as that seed was sown, the enemy comes and snatches it away. And in the Greek it means really quickly that the bird comes and snatches it away. You know why that is? Because the enemy knows and the devil knows that the word of God is very powerful. And that if you give it time, it will take root no matter what the environment. And so he acts really quickly to snatch that away. So I want to say to you, don't have a dismissive attitude today. Don't in your mind say, oh, that's not me. Don't let, let the word settle. In fact, this week, when you're reading the Bible, read it slowly. Let it settle. Don't, don't be quick to say, oh, I'm not that. I've been a path person in my life. 
I've had things that the revelation of God has been snatched out of my mind because I've dismissed it too quickly. Don't write yourself off and say, God won't bother with me. God sows everywhere. He's a generous, loving God. But I want you to notice something else also. I want you to notice that the hardness of the path always attracts darkness. It always attracts the activity of the enemy. That whenever something is hard, our hearts... Because remember, this parable is about, and it says clearly, what is sown at the heart level. Whenever you allow your heart to get hard, for whatever reason... It may not even be your fault, but what you need to understand is that hardness will always attract the activity of darkness. So it's really important that you deal with that hardness, no, even if it's not your fault. The pattern of hardness even begins to limit our ability to understand the Word of God. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, They were darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, the hardness of the heart is the issue. Their ability to understand is not the issue. It's their, their, their ability is diminished by the hardening. If they softened their heart, their understanding would grow. Some people say to me, well, I don't get the Bible, I don't get the Bible. That's because they're hard. And also, let me also just point out to you, it's not the ability of the word to penetrate that's the issue. The ability of the word here says he sows it in the heart. So the word can penetrate, but that hardness means that understanding goes down. And actually, the word is then lost. It's because of the hardening that Satan can operate at the heart level. Now, I'm speaking to Christians mainly here today, but I want to say to you again... I'm not speaking not to people outside of the church, although it applies to them. Satan can operate in your heart if you allow it to become hard. And that goes for everyone. This is not just talking about Christians who are not Christians or non-Christians. So the answer is, soften your heart. You have to soften your heart. Another part of the scripture says, dig up your unplowed ground. Dig it up. Soften your heart. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 7 it says, so I say, the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Do not have a dismissive attitude that says, well this can't work for me. This isn't for me. That you just have to say, well God, I feel terrible right now, but if this is for me, please, I'm open. That softens your heart. You have to say to yourself, if you will water that path, just look at that picture, if you water that path, if you break it up, if you say to it, I am pouring the water of the Spirit on it, I'm getting the Word in it, I'm going to put myself in the environment that softens that path, that path would not be dusty, it would be broken up. And the thing about a path is, look at it just for a moment, is that it goes along fixed lines. It goes along fixed routines. 
You see, all of your instincts are to stay closed and do what you've always done. But one of the ways to break up a path and to suffer it is that you don't follow your routine, that you stop your habitual thinking, that you say to yourself, I'm not going to do what I've always done expecting a different result. I'm going to break up my pattern. If you never sing in church, sing, even if it's only half of a chorus. If you never raise your hand, raise your hand. Even if it's only halfway, if you only pray for five minutes, pray for six minutes. Do something you've not done before and you'll break up the rut and the routine of the path and soften your heart and the word of God will take root and begin to change you. Change you. Why would you keep doing what you've done all of your life expecting a different result? That's a path. That's a fixed plan. You've got to break up that routine and do some different spiritual activities. And God will begin to soften you. Your instinct is to close and run. But stay. Stay still. And let the message of God come to you. The second type of people are people who Jesus describes as seeds falling amongst rocky places. They are, they are people who are too open. They don't give enough thought or uh, process to what they're signing up to. Remember that Jesus said, And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. They have not processed at all the cost. Jesus said, suppose some of you want to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you've got enough money? These are people who have said yes to everything. And then they find out that there's a cost. The issue here is not processing things or the implications of what they're signing up to. It's not been done. You see, receiving the word with joy is not the issue. Joy is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We should seek to receive things with joy. Enthusiasm and verve is not the issue. But we should seek all the fruit of the Holy Spirit, which is patience and faithfulness, as well as love, as well as perseverance. The idea here is that these people are not rooted in fact, that's what the scripture says. They do not make Christ and his love their source. You see, that's what roots are. Matthew 13, 21 says, But since they have no root, they last only a short time. The idea of being rooted is the issue. I don't know about you, but I've got 850 television channels. How many have you got? I have 850 channels on my TV. Have you ever done this? You're watching TV by going flick, flick, flick. Come on, confession's good for the souls. Anybody just flick through the channels? In fact, one time I thought, I wonder if I could watch all 850 in one sitting. Flick, 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 flick. What about our Instagram culture? Add to your story and then it's gone, and then it's gone. 
Or how many of you flick through Facebook? Oh, I like that, I like that, I like that. Oh, I watched that video, I watched that video. And it seems that our culture today is affirming that we are not to be rooted, but we're to flit from this to this to this to this. By the way, in the 850 channels that we have on our TV, I think we watch four, don't we, Kathy? How about you? Are you flitting from one spiritual experience to the next? Are you, where are your roots? Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says, So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you being rooted and established in his love. You see, you've got to put your psyche and your thinking and your heart and your soul down and say, Well, you love me. Everybody else might say something about me, but you love me. I wonder where your root is going. I wonder if there's a root going into the opinion of everybody at work. I wonder if a root is going to Instagram. I wonder if a root is going to how many likes I've got on Facebook. Instead of putting our roots down into, you died for me on the cross. You saved me. You love me. Put your roots down into what Christ has done for you, and that's how you'll stand. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 7, it also says, We are to be rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. That the faith that saved you is the faith that can carry you. Are you putting your roots down into the belief that God has got this? And what He says in His Word. You see, You'll blow away easily if you don't become rooted. You see, these people are not following the right feeding processes. Because that's what roots do. Roots feed you. What do you feed off? What's your source of love and affirmation? You see, if you feed off the right things, and if you feed off the Word of God, and if you feed off the love of God, you feed off the Spirit of God, you'll stand You see, without this feeding, you'll quickly go. You'll quickly come and quickly go. Some people come to BCC, they love it the first week. They love it the second week. And then it becomes a bit of a drag. Because then it comes time of, well, how should we make this work? In fact, Luke says, sun fell on rocky ground, and when they came up, they withered because they had no moisture. They became dry because they're not feeding themselves. You see, what's important is, is that we need to develop these roots because you know how I said that hardness attracts darkness? Let me say to you, when you have the word of God planted in you, it attracts trouble. It doesn't say in this scripture that if persecution and hardness or trouble come, it says when. How many of you have heard people like me stand on a platform and say, come to Jesus and all your problems will end? And how many of you come to Jesus and you think, really? (laughs) Was that the right thing to say? Because you will attract trouble. You're swimming against the grain. You're swimming against the tide. You're swimming in a different way. Kay Warren, who's the wife of Rick Warren, who leads Saddleback Church and who uh, wrote The Purpose Driven Life, has gone all around the world. A few years ago, their son, Matthew, who'd been troubled with mental illness much of his life, finally decided to take his life. 
successful pastor, massive church, everything that you could ever want, best-selling books, but he'd trade it all for his son's life. Kay Warren, the wife, said, the reason I could withstand the storm of the suicide of my son is that I've been sinking my roots down into Christ for years. Some of you are going to face some things where you need to be rooted. You need to put your roots down into God's word and God's heart and God's spirit and you'll stand. There's a third type of person in this parable. It's the person who is represented by the thorns. These are people, they're open, they're receptive but they're not empty of other competing thoughts. In fact, the Bible says it refers to someone who, who is plagued by the worries of life or the deceptiveness of wealth or even pleasures of the world. This person does not deal with long-term and long-held beliefs that they've held on to for a long time. They've received some of the message of Christ. They've received what Christ can do for them. And what they've done is they've tried to say, well, I'll have Christ in his message, but I'm also holding on to this stronghold thinking. I'm holding on to what this thought is about my life. And that's why Jesus uses the word choke. You see, the word needs a pure environment. And so as the word doesn't grow, it withers and gets choked by other thinking. The thinking that says, all men are terrible. Let me choke out the word of God. The thinking that says, the best thing I can do my, with my life is to go to the top of the tree, be the ultimate success, win the lottery and make a million. Check out the word of God. You've got to be careful of the philosophies that you think are all right. Because actually, as far as the word of God goes, hey listen, lean in right now. This is really important. The goal of the Christian life is to be fruitful both in your character and in your effectiveness as you build the kingdom. That's the goal. And if you make that the goal and that the foundation, then every other thought has to come down to that. Some of you made an idol out of your family. You think your goal is to, is to make your family's life comfortable. And God's goal for your family is that they take up the cross and follow Him. Now, of course, we want to do right by our families. And of course, that's the responsible thing to do. But what we need to do is deal with the competing ideas that we're carrying around with us. The worries of life. Worry one. My needs might not be taken care of, and I worry about that, Lord. Worry two. I will never have a good relationship. Worry three. What does my future hold? We carry these worries around with us. We deal, we need to deal with the deceptive nature of wealth. Deception one, wealth is your value. That's never been true. Deception two, when I get enough, 
it will never be enough because I will need to get to the next level. That's a deception. Deception three. That this earthly kingdom is all that there is, so let's just invest in it. I'm working for another kingdom. Who's with me? Amen. You see, when we don't anchor our lives in building and seeking the kingdom, when we don't anchor our lives in growing in character, when we, when we don't anchor our lives in what God wants us to do, they begin to compete with us. Now, I'm teaching you today because I love you. And I want you to be fruitful. But it's not what I want. It's what Jesus wants for you. He says, I've come that you bear much fruit. And we need to fundamentally shift the goal of our lives to building our character and building the kingdom because that's how we deal with those competing philosophies. In fact, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus kind of comes to the end of it and he says, don't worry about what you eat or what you wear. The pagans run after these things. Don't worry about your clothes. Your heavenly Father knows you need it. And he says, don't worry about tomorrow. I've got your future. Tomorrow's going off worry for itself. And then what does he say? And you know this verse. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Make that your goal. Make the kingdom the goal. Make the righteousness of the kingdom your goal. You see, when you go to work tomorrow, say to yourself, I'm going to be a kingdom businessman. I'm going to, I'm going to show Christ's character. Sure, I'm going to make a money. I'm going, to, I'm going to pay to the profit and loss system. I'm going to make sure the processes are all right. But in all that I do, I'm going to bring the kingdom with my workers, with everything that I do. I'm going to show the kingdom what that's like. And as you do that, all the other things will fall into line. Now, that doesn't mean to say if you've got a business, you have an hour's prayer meeting before, uh, you know, with all the workers as you go in. Of course not. But it means that you are motivated to bring the kingdom of God right where you are and to exhibit his character right, right, right where you are. Because if you hold on to these philosophies, the philosophy that says, God can't help me, Eventually, that philosophy comes and goes, let me strangle the love of God in your life. <laughs> Last person is the soil. The good soil. These are people who internalize the word and they act on it. They internalize the word and then act on it. There's a taking in and a flowing out. They internalize the word and act on it. They understand that the word is key. Now, I want to say something to you. It's not just random how a large crop comes about. In fact, if you look at the parable carefully, it's those who understand, those who accept, those who hear the word, that increases their yield. So some people say, you know, they read this parable and say, oh, there are some 30, there are some 60 people, and then there are some hundredfolds. God's will for you is that you're a hundredfold person. And I actually think that he's talking here about a growth process for everybody. You may start off with 30, and then go to 60, then go to 100. As you walk in the Word, and as you accept it and process it in your life, you can increase your yield of effectiveness. Surely that's what the word means. 
How you process the word is the key to your fruitfulness. Matthew says it. They understand the word. If you gain in your understanding, you will gain in your fruitfulness of it and bring high yields in your life. Listen to what Luke says. He says, but the seed is on good soil. It stands for those with a noble and good heart. And those who hear the word retain it and by persevering in it produce a crop. Look at that process. They hear it, retain it, persevere in it and produce from it. They hear it, retain it, persevere in it and produce from it. Should I say it one more time? They hear it. They bring it into their lives. They retain it. They refuse that dismissive attitude. They persevere in it. They say, I don't quite get this, Lord, but I want to know the truth of it. And then they produce from it. They live it out. And then they become a hundredfold person. Can I, can I deepen this teaching just a little bit? Are you still with me? Say amen if you want me to carry on. Oh, man, that was peer pressure, wasn't it? I want to point out to you that as you prepare to fertilize yourself with the word, you, you can grow from 30, 60 to 100 fold. Let me show you a 100 fold person in the Bible. And let me show you how they got there. In Genesis chapter 26, look at verse 12. Uh, it says this Isaac planted crops in that land, and in that same year he reaped a 100 fold because the Lord was with him. Now, was Isaac's hundredfold reaping just because he was one of God's favorites? Let me take you back to the beginning of the chapter. I believe this is really key for your hundredfold experience. Genesis chapter 26 verse 1 says this, Now there was a famine in the land. Whoa. Wait. You're telling me, God... That you can make me a hundredfold person, but the environment is, at this moment, there's a famine in the land. In fact, the scripture says that it was uh, besides the previous famine in Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, in Gerar. And the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt. Don't do what everybody else is doing. Listen to what I'm saying. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while and I will be with you and I will bless you. For I will give you all these lands and confirm the oath that I swore to your father Abraham and I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands through your offspring and all the nations of the earth be blessed. And then... The next verse says, so Isaac stayed. When you see what's going on, God gives him a now word. A word that he has to obey at that moment. Stay. It doesn't look like he should stay, but stay. And then he reminds him of a promise word. He gives him a present word and a promise word. He said, my, my present word to you, stay. Obey now. My promise word to you is, remember what I've said to Abraham. Remember what I've already revealed. Remember everything that I've already said. Live in the good of that. 
even though this situation doesn't look good, dig down into what you know I've said to you before and promised to your family. And some of you here, you know the word of God. You know what God has said to you and you've forgotten to live in the good of what you already know. So Isaac, live in the good of what you already know. But here's a present word for you. Stay. Obey me now. Don't move away and do what everybody else is doing. But do what I'm saying to you is right. He does that. He becomes a hundredfold person. You can become a hundredfold person if you will obey immediately and live in the promises of God. If you can retain the word, persevere in it, and live in the good of it. There's times when I've been a pathway person. I've had a hard heart. And the revelation of God has been snatched away from me by the enemy. There's times when I've been a rocky ground person that I've said, yeah, I'm in. And then when the cost has come, I've, I've backed off. And I've learned to put my roots down now. There's times in my life when I've been a thorn person. I've worried. I've worried about my girls. It's natural, but it's not spiritual. It's understandable, but it's not faithful. One time I was praying about my two girls. I said, God, I'll serve you. Just, just look after their education. And I was worrying about it. And we were on a retreat in Germany at that time. And as Kathy and I walked out of the meeting, to, we were doing an errand. We got a call about how our girls had got into the right schools. And it was like God saying, I've got this. I once remember my daughter coming down from the, from the bedroom saying, God said to me, nothing. I said, what do you mean? He said, God says nothing. And I said, what, what do you mean? He said, she said, oh, I, he said, God, nothing can separate me from your love. She didn't even know the scripture. God's got your family. He's got it. Don't compete with the word of God with everything that the world tries to push into your life. But you can be a hundredfold person by believing the present word of God to you today and the promises that he's surrounding your life with. And I know promises are not just simple of, oh, he said it, so it all happens. I know it has to be processed, but that's what a hundredfold person does. He retains it, perseveres in it, and eventually it comes through. Would you please stand with me? Thank you for listening today. Soften my heart, Lord. You may have something new. Hey, come on, raise your hand with me. Soften my heart, God. And instead of flicking from one thing to the next, could you put your roots down? Could you say, 
are your roots feeding off your security of, of what you earn or what your status is? But could you say, well, those things are good, Lord, and thank you for giving me those things. I'm not dissing that at all. Some of you are wonderful in your career, and God bless you. But could you say, well, God, I want to put my roots into how you love me. And that's going to be my security. What about bringing him some of those long-held thoughts? Some of those competing philosophies? Most of us are there. You could say, Lord, I just want to give you what I think. Because you can be a hundredfold person if you'll internalize the word today. And not leave this place without wanting to act on it. Let's just sing together, shall we? Just for a moment as a prayer to God while this word settles in your heart. But here's the thing. Don't dismiss anything right now. Because you give an opportunity to the enemy to come in and steal it. So don't dismiss. Don't have an argument with yourself in your mind. Just stay open. Because this parable is about how receptive you are to the message of the kingdom. Let's sing together just for a moment. Let's pray to music. Thank you, Father. We honor you. We worship you. Let's lift him up.